What's up, Lady Ballers? Welcome back. We're Soccer Props. And it's game time. Hi, Dave. Hi. <laughs> hey, Carl. Hey, How you How doing? How are you? Good. We're so excited to have you back on the podcast. Um, for those of you listening who don't know, this is Dave Morris. He's the founder of the College Athletic Advisor, and we actually teamed up with him on our college recruiting crash course, our self-paced course that we have on our website. And we're just pumped to talk to you again. I know there were a couple topics you got you wanted us to touch on, and so why don't we just dive right in? I know um, you had said you wanted to talk about the selection committee of one. So for those of you who don't know what that is, I, I'm unsure of what that is. Can you dive a little deeper into it? Yeah, people always ask. I'm sure the kids are always, always like on Instagram. They're saying, "Hey, am I, how do I know I'm a D1 player? How do I know I'm a D2 player?" And the reality is you're not. It's really down to that specific program and that specific coach. And so each coach starts with a, you know, some schools recruit a hundred kids to get down to that four or five or six, some schools it's a thousand, but they've got to start with a big group and they got to narrow down to the people who are really going to play there. And, you know, just because you're a really good player doesn't mean that this particular college that you like you know, the coach is going to see you as a fit and it's not even about you, right? It can be, uh, I mean, I, I have a, I had a tremendous young woman who's uh, just signed with Colorado mines, you know, last week and there was a D three program and she really liked the coach and, and the coach said, you know, I don't think you're really going to fit here. I can't support you for admissions from a soccer standpoint. You can come here. Your grades are great, but, and, I was blown away, right? Like I was blown away. I'm a coach. I know that guy's roster. I know their roster. I know this young woman would be a stud for them. And I know the coach and we're friends. I called her up. I said, what's going on? She goes, you don't understand. We just signed two center backs. And, you know, this young woman is a terrific center back too, but we're pretty happy with who we got. And we, we really don't, I don't see how we're going to get her on the field and these other students. And we're committed to them already. And so it wasn't a talent thing. It wasn't, it's just, you know, you've coaches are building a roster. They're building a community and each coach kind of makes their call and soccer talent evaluation, you know, in track, it's pretty straightforward, right? You send out about 10,000 emails and then you get them back. And then the kids who can't get into your college, you delete those emails. And now you're down to your recruiting group. The kids who are fast enough and you don't have to see them. You don't know what they look like. But like if you're running a, you know, if you're running a 54 quarter, you know, like most D1 schools want to talk to you a little bit. In soccer, I mean, how do you ass- how do you assess a center mid like a 6? I mean, it's very subjective. And every coach is a little different and and if you really want to dive into the weeds and I'll stay away from this mostly. Think about the NFL. They have all this film They spend millions of dollars evaluating, let's say, quarterbacks. And what's their track record on drafting these guys? Like 30% are are a hit and the rest are basically wash out. Soccer coaches have like 10 minutes and a buck 50. And they got to come, they got to figure out like, you know, 10 different people and they don't have tape and they they can't, we can't sit all the potential center mids in a room and make them take an IQ test or a personality test or, do hire private investigators to look at what they're it it's a it's kind of a crapshoot right 
you you go watch these kids a couple times you assess them based on like where they're playing and how they you know you, you kind of know what level they're playing at and think about what they can do and then you're looking at your own roster you know like if i have three really vertical very fast tall good in the air strikers maybe that really amazing strikers just not on my radar i really like kind of thinking well could i make her a center back at least for a year or two would she be willing to do that and all kinds of things that if you're playing you know you're like well i just scored a goal college coaches gonna like that and it's like couldn't be further from what that particular coach is looking at so you know it's not that you're a division one or two or three and there's a lot of overlap between the levels right like a good d3 team is good and you know, there's some division one teams that are not so good, you know, flat out, but, uh, you know, even within levels, I mean, just because you're not a fit for one program doesn't mean that you're not a fit for, that you wouldn't be a great fit for another. And as a, like a spy, as a prospective student athlete, I don't think there's any way to know. You got to ask the experts. That's the coach. And what we're telling, what I tell students is, listen, every one of these coaches is a selection committee of one. Their assessment applies to their program and their program only. They are not assessing you as a D1 level player, D2 level player. That, that's not their job. Their job is like, I've got to have a group of 20 to 30 players, right? Depending on my preferences, the school's preferences. And uh, they've got to be able to mesh and play at the highest possible level. And so a lot of that has nothing to do with you. So if you're not getting recruited by a particular coach, it's not a reflection of your talent your, you know, potential, your, your value as a person, any of that. And you've got to kind of get to the next step, but that's hard, right? I was going to say, you, you, you bring up a great point. And I think, you know, so many people are discouraged when they're not getting chosen by a certain coach and they make it a, a reflection upon themselves when they start to doubt themselves or what wrongly, what didn't they like, but it can be, they can't even really, they don't even have enough time to assess you as a player as a whole. Sometimes they're just looking for a player with a specific skill set that will fit into their style of play. And they're not even assessing your speed, your heart, your, you know, technical level, your field vision. Like there are so many things about you that make you a good soccer player. And sometimes these coaches only get to see a little bit of it before making a decision. And sometimes they're just looking for something very specific. So you bring up such a good point because that rejection, we take it and we reflect internally and we're like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't I get chosen? But sometimes that's just literally not the case. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's 6 million women playing soccer in the United States right now. And every team's going to recruit. Ultimately they're going to sign what eight, 10 at the most. So it's not, you know, there's just a, it's, it, it's not about you is the biggest thing that I can tell people. And you never know. And you guys know this if you've interviewed for jobs too. You never know why you got a job and you never know why you didn't. Yeah. Which is terrible. It's such a mind game. <laughs> well, you just have to be, uh, the best advice I ever got is you just got to be really cold about it. It's like a, it's like pulling a slot machine. You know, you send out the emails, you pull the slot machine. And the good part is if you go and, and pull slot machines, you got to stick quarters in there. Eventually you run out of quarters, right? That's the design of the machine. When it's looking for a recruiting spot or a job or something, you just keep pulling the lever. Eventually you're going to win. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you just have to, you know, like your, your ability is still there. I, I talked to young people. I was talking to a young woman yesterday 
and and she transferred from a junior college to a four-year school and it was not a good fit and she's back home and now she's got to kind of restart the process and uh, i was too bad she didn't call me before she made that first transfer i could have could have helped her out but we'll pick up the pieces and it's not she's the same player she was right it just wasn't the right fit it's not that she's not she happens to be an amazingly talented young woman she could have been a star for that program it just it didn't fit that's okay you know, hopefully they go on and do great things. I don't know that they will, but that's fine. That's not my problem. And uh, for this young woman, she's got to get somewhere where they're going to, you know, kind of want to use the things she does well and support her where she needs support. And that's every coach, every program is trying to figure that out. And they're trying to figure that out on the sidelines of some tournament with like a thousand kids running around. I mean, think about how superficial that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And honestly, I, I we just love that you brought this up because it takes the emotion kind of out of it. You know, I mean, I'm sure I personally for me, if I sent an email or if I like tried to go to a school and I spoke to a coach and then they didn't want me like I would take that extremely personally. And I did take that personally, but it just made it that much harder for me to like get up and try again. And I think it's just like all the lady ballers listening now. That's exactly it. Like the teams are a puzzle and you're just a piece that might not fit for that specific team. So, and that's okay. Cause there's so many other options, but it's just a great piece of advice. And it definitely raises awareness for me, especially like I'm sure for everyone um, to think differently during the recruiting process. I feel like a lot of people, like even myself, when I would go look at one school, if that school wasn't interested in me, I was like, all right, then I should go lower I shouldn't aim that high but just because that one school at that caliber doesn't want you it's just it's a puzzle piece you can still go for other schools at that same level of of play but and you might fit in that puzzle so I think that's such a good point like I don't think we've really talked about that before so if anyone's listening just because you don't get one coach at that level interested don't feel like it's not going to happen. Keep trying. Like, you know, your worth and you have to know it's a mutual fit. Like you mentioned before, it's not just the coach. It's also you too, making sure that you fit in that school. Yeah. And I think the other thing is people get caught up in like division one versus division two and that kind of, and to the extent you can get out of that mindset, it's mm-hmm. only going to help you. There's, you know, like uh, Middlebury's won a couple national championships in division three. If they played in most Division One conferences, they would be in the top third of that conference. They're they're that good, and there's schools in Division One. I, I mean, uh, you know, that, that don't field super competitive teams. So, you know, understanding that you want to be in a program where you're going to thrive, and that's way more important. The other thing is, you know, like I talk to young women every day who I say, well, where do you want to play? And they go, I want to go to UCLA or I want to go to University of Washington. I go, cool. Tell me about class. How do you feel about going to a class and there's 2,000 students and no one ever knows you were there? No one grades a paper that no one you see ever grades anything. The professor never knows your name, never knows your grade, nothing. And some women are like, cool, I'm in. Let's do it. My high school's like that. Awesome. Some women are like, yeah. I don't want to do that. Well, then you can't go to the University of Washington or UCLA because the soccer program is going to make you go to class. And that's what class looks like for a lot of classes. And it's a real eye opener. I think it took me a while to figure out how to ask that. So I got an answer. But I think if you think of it that way, 
well, then you need a smaller school. And there's smaller schools in every division, right? I mean, there's schools, there's division one schools with like a couple thousand, and you guys know this as well as anybody with a couple thousand students, right? And, uh, and there's D3 schools with a hundred thousand, you know, you can go to NYU, you want to be anonymous, you can play in division three, go to NYU, they got a hundred thousand students. I mean, or, or, you know, like it's, you used to, I used to say, or you could go to UC San Diego, but now they're division one. So, <laughs> um, cause they're going like crazy. They're, but anyway, like there's a lot of options and a lot of different things. There's a lot of things to put in there. And if you restrict yourself to an NCA affiliation, heck the school can wake up in the morning, like university of Hartford did and just change. Mm-hmm. I think you bring up such a great point again, that we all need to be looking at schools holistically and not just about just the soccer team. Because as everyone can get so caught up in that and then you forget, you end up going to the school and then you just hate everything else about it. It's just not a fun experience. Um, so it's definitely like, look at the, what majors and minors they offer, like the class size, like you said, do you like the campus? What about like extracurricular stuff? I mean, that's all things that I truly didn't even really think about. Alana and Shannon, you might feel the same way. Like all I thought about was, is the team good? You know, could I play? That's pretty much it. But it's a really nice reminder to think holistically about the school and and trying all different divisions out too to see what your life could be like when you're there and having that like soccer school, you know, social life balance, which is really important. Um, But let's just shift over to like the communication between coaches and players and I we're just curious what should a player do if they're getting a very generic response from a coach and I know you you specified in November that time of the year should they continue putting effort into the school or is this something they should move on well I think there's it's two-sided thing right I think on the one side for many more so when I was recruiting guys you know you call them in September and then you call them in March and they say, am I going to play? And you go, yes. And they go, great, I'm coming. And you hang up and then you talk to them in August. That's it. That's the whole recruiting process. Uh, you try that with, with female soccer players and you're going to have no team, right? Unless you're Stanford and people just want to go. Uh, people are like, hey, did you forget about me? What are you, what are you doing? So uh, the coaches know they need to keep the kind of keep communication lines open. Uh, but you get into this time of year and you know, there's a coach who you've been communicating with pretty regularly, and then they kind of go dark for a while. And I think, you know, that's definitely something that should concern you if coach goes dark, right? That could mean you're kind of not it. Um, it very much can mean, you know, you're they like you, but there's probably a couple players ahead of you in the pecking order that they're trying to figure out, and then they'll they're kind of like, I'm going to take care of these people, and then I'm going to take care of you, and if and and you have to decide. Do I want to be, you know, like in that position? Do I want them to take me if I was if I wasn't the first choice? You know, the other thing is, you know, you get to the end of the season as a coach, and you get playoffs, and you got you know postseason and seniors and exit interviews, and the reality is, you can drop the ball on recruiting for a couple of weeks after signing day. You know, if the kids who didn't commit really early, and so you have to be careful. I think it's a two sided thing. If there's that long pause, it can mean, hey, you're not you're not really it right now. You may become it again. But it can also mean, you know, sometimes coaches just drop the ball for a couple of weeks or a month just because there's 
you know, they're, they're, recruiting is only one little sliver of that job, right? So I think, you know, it's important just to, you know, don't take it. If you send an email and you don't get a response, wait a week, send it again. You know, everybody misses emails, right? You guys do it. I do it. Sometimes if you're really organized, you come back to it. If you're like me, sometimes they're gone into the ether of my <laughs> inbox. And if you don't email back, it's like, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to, but it happened. So, and I think you just have to be no harm, no foul. Like just email them again. You know, hey, just checking in. How's it going? Um, I do think, you know, as, as offers come in and, and it also depends, right? Like, is it a school that's rolling in mission and they can talk to you in March or they can talk to you in December and it's the same thing? Or are you looking at schools that have hard deadlines? You know, if they're more selective, they may say, look, if you don't apply by January 15th or December 15th, you're not getting in. And you're not football, right? If you're football, like pointy football, you don't have any deadlines. You can apply in June to Princeton and they'll take you. Like if the football coach wants you, they'll figure it out. Uh, you try that in soccer, you're going to be out. Like that's just the reality of the situation, most places. So, you know, you you have to worry about those deadlines. So some of those places you got to figure it out. Some places are more relayed back, right? If you have rolling admission, if you're a coach, you're not thinking about those deadlines, but you have, you may be looking at schools in both sort of both buckets. And so it's legitimate to tell the coach in a school that has rolling admission, say, Hey, I've got a deadline here. I got to figure out what I'm doing, you know? Um, and so when you get that pause, I think you have to kind of figure out what it means. It can also mean that, Hey, the coach is sloppy. The classy thing is like um, Nancy at Boston University, you know, they were recruiting this young woman and they kind of filled their class and they decided she wasn't really going to fit with what they were doing. And they were going to go and they emailed her and they said, hey, look, we love you, but you're you, you were not going to continue to recruit you. And um, number one, that's very hard not to take personally. So I understood from the student athlete part. I think you're going to. There's no way you can't take that personally. Right. They called you, they invited you to stuff, they were forthcoming, and then they're like, Yeah, but we we're going in another direction. But it really isn't about you. It's certainly not about you as a person. It's not even really about you as a soccer player. Like they had somebody fill this piece and you know they, they're out of money or whatever and they're done. So, okay. Uh, now you gotta find a fit. That's that's all that means, really. Um but I thought it was really, I was really impressed with them. They were honest and straightforward and like, here's where you stand. A lot of places, they just kind of drop you, right? All of a sudden, there's no response. So after a couple emails, two or three, whatever it is, no response is a response. All right, on to the next guy. And my thing is like, if they're not responding, if that's how they treat people, you want to play for them? Like, you got to live with them. So to me, like, you want to take advantage of that and then, I think it is legitimate to say, as you know, as you get people who are like, hey, we're really interested in you, um, you can go back and say, hey, you know, I've got some firm offers. I'm trying to narrow my options. Um, are you guys still interested? Or is it, you know, wh what level of interest is there? And most coaches are fairly straight up about that. They're not going to, you know, and then you can decide like, well, is a little interest worth holding off on a firm offer? Welcome to making life choices. The good news is there's no wrong choice. You'll find something. So, yeah, that's great. 
And it's a nice reminder too, the coaches are humans. They're not robots. Like they have to go through all these emails and you have to understand like they are getting so many. So it doesn't hurt to follow up a couple of times and continue your recruiting journey and don't hold yourself back. But definitely if you're interested, follow up and bring that email to the top of the inbox. <laughs> and hopefully- you'll Yeah, no hear, question about that. Yeah, you'll hopefully you'll hear it back. But if not, it's not the end of the world like you were saying. So that's great. Can you tell us- um, what is verbally committing? What does that mean to verbally commit? So in soccer, uh, one of the big issues the NCAA has not solved is uh, there's a lot of pressure for the students really want to commit. Women plan, right? Guys commit. When, you know when a guy commits? When they show up on campus. <laughs> Maybe the second day. <laughs> all right. In women's soccer, when did you guys commit? Uh, junior year. Yeah, ver- verbally, like I think the fall of junior year. And then I walked on sophomore year of college, so I was a different case. There you go. Okay, <laughs> so so some variety, but really like, you know, early junior year, late sophomore, you know, there's a whole, uh, most of my clients who signed yesterday committed in spring or later of junior year because they were pretty strategic and trying to figure it all out. Um, the earlier you commit, so verbal commit, and, 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 and it depends on the sport. In women's soccer, like for lady ballers, if you commit, if the coach says, I'd like you to commit, and you commit, usually your club kind of logs that. So they're telling other college coaches that you're committed. You're, prom- you're, you're saying, look, I'm, I'm picking you, right? If, and so hopefully they've looked at your transcript or they've seen some version of your grade, so they know you're admissible, right? Uh, and, you know, so you're, they're, they're committed to you and they're committing. Um, hopefully they've, they've sort of outlined what the financial aid would look like. Like if you're going to get a scholarship or mission support or whatever, whatever that means at that level. And so you're saying that's where I'm going. And the coach is saying, we're, you're penciled into our roster. We're committed to you as well. Okay. Now there's verbal commitments where a kid says, I'm going to Stanford and the coach knows nothing about it. Like, we're not talking about those people. We wish they would stop, right? That's like, please stop doing that. Um, but where there's a mutual commitment, you know, you're you're putting on, you're telling other coaches like, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to Vanderbilt. I'm not going to your school. I don't want to talk to you. If you're still talking to coaches from other schools, you're not really committed. So like in football where it's, you know, there are no, they have hard, they have commits, soft commits, leans, hard. I mean, it's crazy, right? There's like 24-7 coverage of this stuff. In soccer, you know, there are a percentage of people who verbally commit that end up changing their mind. And I guess to me, like, you know, we how many times do people get asked to prom and people change their mind and go with somebody else? Like, you know, you're you're 16 years old. It's pretty tough to say, like, I'm gonna, you gotta, you are not allowed to change your mind for two years. Like, I, I don't really buy that, yeah. but I think you really need to be transparent if you're going to change your mind. And also, like, the the verbal commitments don't have, uh, you know, you're allowed to verbally commit a lot earlier than yeah. you would be allowed to sign with a college. And I think for a lot of lady ballers and especially a lot of the girls that I train, they'll feel this pressure like they're behind because one of their teammates has verbally committed as a sophomore or something or, or you know, and they let that be a pressure that they're like behind other people. And I think everyone needs to just realize like you have that full time there. I, I have a ton of players that get 
they will commit their senior year. Like you can commit yeah. that. So this pressure to like decide before you're ready to decide is totally just a perception. Like it's not, it does not have to be like that. No, it's, 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 it's counterproductive. It really is. Like if you're, if you're committing because you feel like you should commit, that's not a valid reason to commit. Yeah. You commit because you found the right spot. You found the coach. And the earlier you commit, the longer the runway between commitment and signing, the more likely there's going to be a problem somewhere in that journey and you need a backup plan. The other right? thing is if you're going to verbally commit and you, and you or your parents think like, okay, well, it's not written out, it's fine. It's such a bad taste in the coach's mouth that they hear what you did and it's going to get back to the new coach. And I feel like I heard that a few times when I was going through the process of my teammates who just didn't understand that. And then the new coach was like, I don't want you anymore. Why did you verbally commit? And now you're coming to my school. So it just shows like a point of character. So yeah, if you're going to verbally commit, you're kind of on the hook when you really do it. And I think it's important. There's a, there's a few, there's from both sides, there's issues, right? If you verbally commit and the coach leaves and the coach leaves at a quarter of all NCAA schools every year, right? You have a verbal commitment. It's worth the paper it's printed on. Okay. Now the reality is most verbal commitments, like to me, if you're going to verbally commit, you should have a written outline of what you're committing to. Okay. A coach is allowed. They can't send you a grant and aid form, but they can send you a letter saying, look, you're committing and this is what we can do. Now, maybe we have to estimate your financial aid because that's not us, but here's the soccer piece. This is what you're going to get. You know, or we're going to support your admission if it's a D3 school, whatever it is. Uh, in Division Three, you can ask for a financial aid pre-read. You can ask for an admissions pre-read. Like, those things, that's how you commit, right? You can't commit if they're not going to take you, or you shouldn't. And you can't commit if you can, if they're going to charge you $50,000 a year to go to school there, you got to decide whether you want to pay $50,000, right? Um so if you don't have it in writing, also, if you have, don't have it in writing, you know, like there's, there's 2,000 coaches, right? If you take a group of 2,000 people in any field, a couple of them are going to be weasels, right? So if you verbally commit, you don't nail down the scholarship piece. You're, you know, there are a couple coaches who kids thought they had committed to X amount of money and then signing day it was Y. If you have it in writing ahead of time, you're not in that boat because you can go to the athletic director and say, this is what I, this is what I committed to. And then the coach, now the coach has some explaining to do. Right. Yeah. So, I think that's really important to note that they should have the coach outline exactly what you are committing to, even though you're not signing anything, it's important for you guys to both agree on the terms and then it's more like the honor system you trust each other that you're not going to just go you know a wall and go just be recruited by other teams and reach out to other coaches so those are those are really important things to note for the players who are looking to verbally commit to protect themselves during their whole process yeah and the hazier the commitment is initially the more likely you're going to have problems down the line so make sure it's clear and I think every coach, look, I just, I'm trying to make it clear. I want to commit. I love your school. I want to play for you. I want to understand what I'm, what I'm committing to. Cause I think every coach understands that you have to have something firm to commit to, right? Like otherwise, what are you doing? 
And, and it goes both ways, right? Like if I send you and you say, yeah, I'll take this much, da, 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 like you go somewhere else. Well, I feel like, okay, that's kind of different. Um, it's important to note too, that coaches, you know, if you change your mind, there's two different things. There's I'm committed, but I'm still kind of looking and nobody likes that, right? Nobody wants to be anywhere near that part of the, if you're doing that, other coaches don't want to be in the room for that because it makes them look bad. It makes your club kind of look hinky. Like you don't want to do that. If you change your mind, this is really important. You're 16, 17 years old. Like you're allowed to change. You can go, you know what? I committed and then I got a driver's license and I realized what was more important to me. And I, I really don't think this is the right fit for me. I think I made a mistake. Nobody ethically is going to give you, is, is going to penalize you for that. If you're up front and you call the coach and you explain to your club, your club people may be a little hinky about it because they don't like when people change them. But you, they, you know what? They're your employees. So you tell them like, sorry, dude, and you go on with your life. College coaches understand it. They may not like it, but they understand it. And, uh, and there's no, what are they going to do? Like, Change it. I mean, look at kids who go early decision. They sign a contract, right, to do early decision just on an admissions thing. And some percentage of early admissions kids, you know, by the time it's April, they're like, I'm not going to that place. And ultimately, the schools complain a lot, but they don't do anything. You know, it's like, what are you going to do? And these coaches also want a player that's going to commit to their school for four years. They don't want a wishy-washy player who's going to transfer out halfway and be a headache that they have to release. They... So, yeah, like, that's why I'm like, think of how much even guys, just when we were freshmen to the time when we were seniors, the way we changed our mind about our major, the way we changed our mind about what states we liked, what towns we like, how our interests, like that is going to change. And then take a 16 year old and how much that's going to change between 16 and 18. So if you're, you want to take the time to discover yourself a little bit more before making a four year decision like that, it's, it's smart to do. It's better than committing early while you're unsure of yourself. Yeah, and I, as a college coach, I know I was always I I always preferred to wait till people had a driver's license for a little while because you don't really know what you're getting as a coach. Like, till they can drive themselves around, have a little freedom. Like, yeah, you're really taking it's always you're taking that's, a chance anyway. We're that's so immature. So we're so <laughs> immature as young high school athletes. Like, it's crazy how much you change. Well, you, yeah, you, well, you I, don't know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like you wild. just don't. It's. It, it's life. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the other thing is, yeah, everybody wants that right now. Women's soccer has a, you know, there's a lot of kids transferring, right? Everybody's in the, everybody's in the transfer portal every week, right? Stay out of that. Take your time, make a good choice up front. Cause I mean, I do this for a living and I have a blast and I work with people who are like, they're excited and happy to sign. And we really, you know, no matter how much fun we've had, Nobody ever looks at me and goes, you know, this was great. Let's do it again next year. Everybody wants to be done. I made a choice. I want to graduate. You sat, you made your best choice. It pays to be pretty committed once you really feel like you've made your best choice. And so doing it super early, I don't think it benefits you. And I don't think it benefits the school at all. Um, And the NCAA has tried to figure out how to regulate that out of existence and failed. Like they, we, we haven't figured out a, a regulatory regime that will work. And legitimately, like if you're a national team player and you're getting a hundred phone calls a day, it's a problem. 
Like, I get it. But for 99% of the people who commit early, like, that's not the situation they're in. And they could wait. And, and you know, for colleges, you know, the other part is if a college really pressures you to commit early, what are they afraid of? You know, like, they're not, this isn't that hard. So, you know, I think when, it, when it's right, you know, we used to talk about the broken leg test, right? Like, if you break your leg, you can't play again. Are you still, is that where you're going to college? And if the answer is, yeah, if you look around, if you visit and you look around at the school and you think, I want to look like that when I grow up, you're in a pretty good spot. If you look around and you're like, who are these people? Well, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> doesn't matter how much you like the coach or the, the women on the team or whatever. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Um, it's yeah, this is you're dropping so many knowledge bombs that are just completely raising my awareness at this point in the game. I like where were you when we were going through our college rec recruiting process? Um, because it's just so true. Like, don't rush into it. Take your time. Do your research. Like, hire people like you who can help guide you on a personal level. And at the end of the day, like, really find out what's best for you. And honestly, I feel like putting on, like, your blinders and, like, not being concerned with what your teammates are doing is really helpful. Because I just remember the pressure of being like, oh, my gosh, people are committing you know, freaking out when it has literally nothing to do with you, like you said. It's such a good takeaway. Um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's for, hard not to. For sure. And it's never going to go away, but it's just practicing bringing it back to what's best for you. I think that's so important. Um, and we just want to touch on one more topic with you. So in terms of social media and name, you know, image, likeness, NIL, what are the trends that you're seeing right now? Like what's, how is it, how is it doing since it came out? And how do you think lady ballers could like, what could they be doing to benefit more from this right now? So I have a great, can you set it up so I can share a graphic that uh, NIL Network put together? Shannon, do you have access to that? I can do that. No, if, you, if you're the host, you need to enable screen sharing by multiple participants under share, yeah. share screen. Just and it. then I can do it. There's a little green button there. I and just you just did it? Okay. Yeah, there we go. So this is from NIL Network. So this is another account. And Michelle Meyer, who does it, this is, I just thought this was, this was great, right? Here's what, here's what lady ballers are doing, right? So most of the endorsement stuff is, right now, most of the money is over here in social media because it's been going on for two months. So the biggest thing you can do to get ready for NIL as a, as a high school student or is take your Instagram, take your IG and Twitter and what is it? TikTok. I I've, I've revolted. I don't, I'm not touching TikTok. Um, I, I, I just, I'm too scared. It's just so another anyway, thing that we have to be posting on. <laughs> oh God, I don't, I don't even, I'm like talk tick. What? No, I'm like a hundred years old. I don't do this. So Get your account out of lockdown. Understand that when you post on social media, you are telling a story. And it can be casual and it's a story about your life. Um, but, you know, sometimes there's the cheap joke that maybe you don't want your mom to see. And maybe social media is not a great place for that to be preserved forever. 
Um, the, on the other hand, you know, talking about your struggles, talking about when things don't go well, and then tracking how they how you overcome those things is incredibly powerful. So telling your story doesn't have to be you smiling all the time. It doesn't have to be you always happy, always wonderful. In fact, that's not very helpful. People want, you know, some level of reality, right? I mean, what what made soccer girl probs really connect with the, I mean, I still remember I'm coaching in a college with maybe, I don't know, 400 students. We were a D2 school, we had about 400 students and we were basically in the middle of a farm field in Indiana. And these women are, are watching these videos and they're like, you guys are on Long, on Long Island. And our, these kids are they're like, they we totally relate. This is just like what we're doing. I mean, that's what grows social media, right? So like connecting with like, hey, and, and some of it was not real positive, right? Some of it was like, man, it sucks when the coach makes you throw up, you know? Yeah, right? just being real and authentic. And yeah, and yeah, sharing the struggles. Yeah, and that's I, I so I think being um, being real and just sharing this is what I'm going through, you know, it builds connections. And the the strength of your NIL brand is really the strength of the community that you build around yourself. And so that you know that's that's the the Instagram thing, the Twitter thing. And that's not the only option, right? This is big right now, but the thing that's going to be really big is going to be the coaching side. Like you can coach, you can do camps, you can do clinics, you can go back to your high school and charge them a hundred bucks to talk about how you got a Scott. Like, this is what I did to be a successful graduate. Like, I mean, you can go back to your club, all of those things and do, you can do private lessons, any of that, you know, peer mentoring, Peer share, like forget about, I, I think that the social media is being overplayed and that the, what about the real, forget about that. What about the real community that you build? What about the real community you contribute to? And, and that, I mean, that's really the strength of your, that's where you have value because you're valuable as a contributing member of your community. It's kind of insane to me that that wasn't allowed. That part of it. I understand like the social media could blow up in ways that are not necessarily positive for the the college themselves but like to go and literally represent your journey to becoming a collegiate athlete at that thing and to share your knowledge and your experience should be that should have been a given forever but yeah that that's something that well it wasn't against the rules like it's important to point out that it wasn't illegal you couldn't get paid no no you could get paid people because think about it you guys were camps right yeah, so you got, true, so you but I got paid cash. <laughs> but well, and you couldn't, you couldn't really market yourself though, because if you marketed yourself, then you were like you're selling yourself as you're benefiting from your student athlete, you know, and then that's that's a problem, right? So there were, it was it was like right on the line, and I think I think you're right. I mean, I, it was insane college athletes were the only people on an entire college campus that couldn't monetize their talent and knowledge. Every other student, every faculty member, every coach could do it and student athletes couldn't and it never made any sense. And I think it's why when it, when it kind of came time to look at it, every, every entity that looked at it said, this is nuts. 
Um, you know, then, you know, you get into this, like the autographs. And I think that's a football thing, really. Um, some of the, I think, appearances can be a, you know, like if you build your brand through the coaching piece, I think appearances and licensing. I mean, you guys, look at you guys. Look at all those, you guys all, I I've, I got to figure out how to get my daughter one of those t-shirts, man. Like, they're awesome. Oh, That's we'll, we'll send you one. You got to tell us which one she wants. <laughs> um, there you go. We got we to figure that out. So on this chart too, it's so interesting to see the entrepreneurship section where players are feeling like they can start their own companies and do all these things. And I think that is so cool. Like this is something we, we technically couldn't do when we were playing. We had to literally yeah. like not be a business and it's just yeah, and that's crazy. Where, yeah. And I, well, and this is always my, this is the big finish, right? You can start your own company. You can practice running a business. You can employ, I mean, you can do everything while you're in school. And I think that is really the entrepreneur piece is the real value of NIL. Like, because yeah, how much, how valuable would it have been for you guys to run your own business, you know, and, and monetize soccer roll probs while you were doing it in college and while you're, you know, you're part of that bigger peer group and you've got your, you know, everybody's living in the dorms or living in a community. How much more valuable would that have been? I know it's crazy how much has changed and it's really so wonderful to see this because it just, I don't know, it gets us excited. Like when I think about how soccer props came about and I don't know, just creating a company all like while you're just speaking your truth and all that and, and you're so young, it's just such a fun thing. And I just feel like I've seen it personally more on social media now and it's just fun to see it continue coming, you know, to grow because you, I mean, this generation, the millennials and Gen Z are the people who are probably not even going to go to college at this point, the Gen Z generation. Like, I feel like it's crazy how you can make money and do all of this doing things that you love. I don't know. It's just a different world. It really is. And that was well, really think, he helpful, the, the yeah, trends that you showed us. College, yeah, well, I think going to college is a great environment to, to do this, right? It's set up. You have the you have faculty who could help you with entrepreneurship. You got business professors, right? You got all the, all these resources to benefit student athletes and like here, and you've got this network of fans to follow you, right? Like even, it doesn't matter what school, there's some network of supporters, right? And I mean, you, you can not just monetize it, but you can build your, like a career on it. And I think looking at the, looking at the end of the money short term is the, is really the least of it. It's the opportunity to build something that you can take with you when you graduate. Even if you just go become a, you know, work for some large organization, fine, but you don't have to. Yeah, that's what's so exciting. You could build something that you can just continue doing when you're out of school and you don't, you can just work for yourself. It's, it's really, really cool. And dang, we just wish that we, we had this. Like I hope players are really looking into it and find and you know utilizing the support for NIL. I'm sure people, you know, I'm sure universities and schools are still adding um, like NIL managers or whatever it is. I'm sure you know more than us. Like points of contact for for players to speak to these people who can help them understand what they're allowed to do and what they're not. You um, should add a bonus uh, something for the course. Oh yeah. There you go. 
about maybe we could push like having something added on to it about this. That would yeah, be great. I, well, and I think you guys are the perfect people to talk about NIL. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you guys did it. You, you weren't allowed to do the monetizing part, but you, you saw the potential, you saw what you can build. Definitely. Um, you know, and, and it is crazy. I mean, it's crazy that you couldn't, I mean, looking back, it's like, how could you do that? Like, I know. And it wasn't until we graduated when we seriously could have done anything, you know, like we like sat down and we were like, let's make a legitimate like mission statement <laughs> and like put out a, a functioning website and all that. It's really interesting. Um, but Dave, this was beyond helpful. It was so awesome to hear what your insight on all of these topics. And I think we're going to have to have you come on for another another podcast to talk about college recruiting well, you, you and all I these tips. <laughs> um, um, you know, I love it. So, so can you just tell our audience where they can find you and like how they can work with you if they want to work one-on-one? -on -one? Sure. Well, um, the website is collegeathleticadvisor.com. Really easy, all one word. I tend to transpose the L and E, but if you spell college athletic and advisor correctly, you will find me. If you type college athletic advisor into Google, we're the first thing that comes up now, which is such a major accomplishment. That's awesome. Congrats. I know, that, was, that was like, we had a, the first time it happened. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> we really did it. We'll definitely link all of this stuff that you're saying because you're an amazing resource. And just a reminder for everyone, we have the college recruiting crash course that we made with Dave and it's on our website. So we'll definitely put that in the link as well for you to check out. Um, Absolutely. Thank you so much again, Dave, and we're looking forward to speaking to you again. All right, I look forward to it too. Thank you. Bye.